Welcome back to the After the Timeout podcast. Today's guest is Caleb Carter of IllinoisBasketball.com. If you follow Illinois high school basketball, you've most certainly seen Caleb's work in print, Twitter, or on the web. We get into the girls' basketball season here in the state of Illinois, as well as Caleb's career path and the skills that he's learned that can transfer over to the coaching profession. Hope you enjoy. All right, so let's dive into our opening tip that we do with with all of our guests. Uh, Caleb, your your uh, self described matching devotee, I think, says in your your uh, Twitter bio, uh, Ohio grad, if I'm correct, right? Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so just just give us, and I've I've seen you've worked and done a lot of stuff for the Mac, uh, Northern, and things like that. So uh, just give us a little what's going on in the Mac. Is there any, any good basketball to watch? What teams are rocking? I know Toledo and IU had played recently in a bowl game. So what's going on in the Mac? Yeah. Um, so my kind of my background in the Mac is that I went to Ohio University. I wrote for um, HustleBelt.com, which is an SB Nation uh, affiliated blog that's just Mac specific. A bunch of my buddies that I talk to on a daily basis still are people who wrote for Hustle Belt and SB Nation as a whole. And so, and, and I still have buddies that we still talk about Ohio football, Ohio basketball and all that. And then uh, previous to jumping into education, which is my current career, I was a uh, uh, beat writer for Northern Illinois Athletics as well for the DeKalb Daily Chronicle. And so obviously I have a lot of background um, writing about the Mac and then and even now I jump on my buddy Alex Alvarado's uh, podcast to talk about Mac football, Alvarado on action. Um, we, I think I probably am on it every other week or so, some weeks I'm for, you know, I might go on it like six or seven weeks in a row. Um, after this, after I record this, I'm actually hopping on it to talk about the bowl games too. So I uh, tend to stay busy with Mac stuff just for, for fun more than anything. And uh, I would say this year, Northern Illinois definitely had one of the more fun rides. They're the first team in FBS history to, go from winless to winning a conference champ or to uh, winning a conference championship, if I remember correctly. And, uh, you know, that team's really exciting. I got there in the midst of the, basically the transition between Rod Carey, who was just fired at Temple and uh, Thomas Hammock, an alum who took his team from, I think it was five and seven to oh and six in the COVID shortened season to conference champions the year after that. So um, really exciting time for Northern Illinois football. Less so for my alma mater, Ohio on the, uh, Gridiron, um, not the super great transition from Frank Solich to Tim Alvin. Uh, and every time I bring up Frank Solich, people go, oh, he was the Nebraska coach. Like, yes, that, that, that did happen 15 years ago. Yes. Um, so it's been better times for Ohio football. Not so much to talk about this year. Uh, I'd rather talk about Ohio basketball if I were to spend some time talking about it. They did just, uh, you know, they're coming off a season where they beat Virginia, which was technically the defending national champions. So a lot to brag about there. And um yeah, uh, I think this year I'm not so much in the know with, with uh, men or women's basketball yet in the MAC yet, but uh, I'll get there. It just may take me a few weeks because I run a, a mid-major men's basketball pick league as well um, with, with some buddies, so I'll figure it out at some point. Well, Coach, one more time just for our listeners, you, if you want to plug your uh, MAC podcast there. Yeah, uh, so it's uh, Alvarado on MAC, and it's my buddy Alex Alvarado's podcast, and I kind of just hop on there to talk about it. Uh, and then Ypsilanti 11, like the city of Ypsilanti, Michigan, is, is Alex's blog that he writes about Mac football. So um, since I love the Mac getting any type of shine whatsoever, I definitely wanted to uh, make sure Alex gets shouted out for the good work that he does. 
Oh, well, we, uh, as fellow podcasters, we do know the work that goes into it. So we're happy to shout out anybody at any time. Uh, so as you know, uh, Todd and I are both high school coaches in Illinois. You obviously cover uh, high school hoops for Illinois high school hoops. So let's kind of transition. You know, tell us about Illinois high school hoops. Like for you, where did it start? How did you get involved? Um, and then maybe some things you're currently working on for them. So Illinois High School Hoops, um, and then on, online it's illinois-basketball.com. It's, uh, my buddy Jacob Rudnick started it, and a lot of people in, in the Chicago area will recognize his name because he has done a lot of freelancing for numerous papers, a lot of the Tribune and uh, papers, like the little subsidiaries between like Lake County and um, in the city and South Suburbs and all that type of stuff. And he was doing his own newsletter um, during the pandemic, like the early onset of the pandemic, and I kind of just reached out to him and just told him, like, I really like what you're doing. Like, um, and I just chatted him up about it. And he was like, basically said at one point, like, yeah, I want to be able to do my own website. And I was like, ooh, ooh, do you want, do you want somebody to help with that? And so that's kind of how I got hitched on. And since there wasn't any basketball, we just wrote a lot about recruiting. And um, as much as uh, I think there's some people that really love the recruiting aspect of hoops. And there's some people who are like, would rather talk about almost anything because the same kids get so much shine and uh, other interesting stories get left behind, but that was kind of where I was at. So I was writing a lot of recruiting sport stories for basketball.com. I started our Twitter page in, uh, taking a look if I can remember, November of last year, November, 2020. We're up to about 2,500, eh, no, 2,700 followers already. So that's been a cool thing to see people engaging with us and um, tweeting at us their scores and keeping us updated. Um, me personally, I've been writing a lot about girls basketball because I think it's just a, it's, it's something that needs more attention in terms of like statewide. Uh, a lot of papers do a really good job of covering girls basketball on a local level. I think the, a lot of the Shaw papers that I used to work at do a really good job, whether it's DeKalb, whether it's, uh, Sock Valley, whether it's the Northwest uh, Herald, um, a lot of those papers do a really good job, Joliet. Um, but, uh. I wanted to kind of try to do it and provide some coverage to, you know, to the Quad Cities type teams, to the Springfield and Champaign and Southern Illinois type teams and areas that maybe wouldn't get broader recognition. And so, so far that's been cool to provide exposure in different ways uh, on that aspect of things and reach out to tons and tons of coaches and make new connections to kind of bolster our, our website standing in public consciousness. Yeah, no, no doubt. We know, we know, me and John know if we need to go find something or find a score or find what's going on, we come, we come look at your guys' stuff. So you guys do a tremendous job. Hell yeah. Um, um, all right. So I want to, I want to kind of talk about like your, your career path, right? You mentioned now you're in it, you're doing the education uh, thing. Obviously you write, you do all kinds of things. I believe you were a journalism major at Ohio. Um, was that like, let's go back to when you're, you're, you're going to Ohio. Is that something you always wanted to do? Was it always sports or was it, right? Was it, was it something else? Kind of take us through your, your path here. I was very much a sports nerd growing up and I wanted to do broadcast sports. So my kind of goal going into college was I wanted to be a major league baseball or NFL or even college sports like broadcaster for TV or radio. And when I got to a high university, those opportunities were kind of there, but um, not to the extent you really had to seek them out. And it was a lot easier to write and so the chances were there to write so I wrote for the NPR station there I wrote for uh, 
I wrote for a political pu uh, publication. I've written about politics for years. Um, I wrote for uh, Hustle Belt, obviously, like I mentioned before, writing about Max Sports. So I never ran out of things to do. And once I, college was coming close to an end, I had a couple different backgrounds where, you know, I'd written, done all the sports writing. And um, I also did, I didn't specialize in sports, like writing and sports journalism when I was in college. Like my specialization was uh, political science and sociology because you're, you were required to have a specialization and almost all my buddies did sports. Um, and you'll hear my pet. Um, but for me, I was, I kind of like was stuck between like, do I still have the passion for sports or do I want to uh, go into something else like nonprofit work or something? And I was just, I was way more qualified to write about sports. So I went out to, I took a job, applied to a lot of sports writing jobs, mostly and some nonprofit jobs went out to Iowa. I worked at the Creston News Advertiser in uh, Creston, Iowa, Southwest Iowa, town of about 7,500 people. Um, picked up everything, moved to a place where I didn't know a soul and um, learned some really, like, you know, learned a lot about what it took to do everything in a small town operation. I had the, you know, I did the, I did the pictures, I did the stories, I did the, uh, the page design. Um, a lot of weeks over the amount of hours you're technically supposed to be allowed to work. And, um, but every small town journalist knows what that's like and, you know, building these relationships with coaches to be able to tell more interesting stories. And uh, eventually I was the sports editor of that paper um, and several other Shaw papers, including ones in Fontenelle and Greenfield, Iowa, which were two other small local communities and Osceola, which were all in this kind of little area together. Like West was like one side, the couple communities, one Preston where I'm living and then the other Osceola paper on the other side. So I was doing all those papers. Um, I could talk on and on about that because that was a great experience, but uh, just to, for the sake of explaining everything else, um, I left after about two and a half years to go to DeKalb, uh, worked there for about a year and a half, was the Northern Illinois uh, beat writer and uh, obviously covering high school sports as well. A lot of really good high school sports out there between uh, really good wrestling, really good uh, basketball. Um, and, you know, Kane and Sycamore really good in, in a number of sports on the girls' side, too. So, uh, yeah, and then I moved over to uh, my buddy Udit, who I went to college with at Ohio University, who I am kind of just super tight with. He was kind of coming to Northwestern to get a graduate degree. And I knew I wanted to move from DeKalb and maybe get into a different field because the pandemic hit newspapers and media hard again. Um, surprise, surprise. <laughs> and... Uh, I uh, was like, I kind, of, I kind of really wanted to coach, and I knew that maintaining a sports writer schedule would make it very difficult to try and get into coaching, uh, because coaching is something I'd wanted to do for a long time. It's something I did when I was in college as a volunteer coach um, at a, fo a football team close to um, close to Ohio University, and I'll come back to that later because I have an interesting story to tell on that front. But um, so I went to Evanston with my buddy Udit. He went to Northwestern. I worked at a middle school in Skokie for a year, uh, Skokie, Illinois. And uh, then I moved to uh, Rogers Park this last year in the northernmost uh, area of Chicago. And now I work at Highland Park High School where I am a special education um, intensive paraprofessional and a uh, volunteer, well, not this year. This year I was a football coach, uh, assistant football coach, mostly as the uh, video coordinator um, with the team. So you moved from one hard-hit profession to another hard-hit profession, huh? Very, very much so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Me and, and John I'm, both teach, so. 
All right. So I want to build on, you, you mentioned relationship building, right? And this, yeah, obviously we talked to a lot of coaches, and, but, but this ties in and now you're, you know, you're, you're obviously coaching. So I want to talk to you with some of those experiences you had building relationships with coaches when you were, when you were writing and, and doing your beat and things like that. And now translating some of those skills, not only to athletics, but I think just in general for dealing with anybody, athletic directors, um, you know, athletic trainers, things like that. So talk about, you know, how you went about building relationships and maybe how we, you're applying that now in your, your coaching, coaching education setting. I guess as far as relationships, like you had to learn very early um, when I was doing journalism in college, like we, we didn't connect so much with like the athletic directors and broader community, but you would talk to players more. You would talk to some coaches and, kind of realized how important it was to to be able to reach out at a moment's notice and not only be like hey I need something but also be like hey I, I wanted to talk to you about this thing would you have time to talk about it and more so for maybe you want maybe you're trying to fill a void of knowledge you had or maybe you just wanted to gain some perspective I'm I'm very big on uh learning about air like teams and areas that I don't know anything about so like for example when I was covering high school wrestling in Iowa. I did not have a clue what I was doing. Like I, I couldn't tell you what a takedown was. I didn't know what, how many things points were worth. And so I'm like, okay, obviously this guy's a legend. Let me go pick his ear for a little bit. And so like the guy wouldn't, uh, there were coaches like that, not in, in Iowa and Illinois. And I was very lucky to coach uh, or to cover some very good uh, wrestling coaches and be able to really pick their brains. I had JD Oliva over in DeKalb was an assistant coach for Sam Hyatt and DeKalb's got one of the best wrestling programs in the state. And I could just sit there and just ask him questions. And it didn't have to be like, Hey, I need to know this for a story. Can you tell me more? It was it often might just be like, Hey, so I've heard that this and this, and this is uh, these guys are big wrestlers here. What's, what's the, what's the deal with that? And then try and get, just kind of find out more and more about wrestling in the area. And the same can go for basketball. The same has gone for basketball. I'll, I'll talk to, uh, a lot of AAU and travel coaches just to get the background on their players and where kids come from. And often you hear from these guys like, Oh, this is what it's like when kids from this area. This is what it's like when kids have played for these clubs. And um, more than anything, not just from writing my stories, I just find that stuff interesting and it helps me build my base of knowledge and it helps me to better relate to the people I haven't even met before. So I've used Twitter and, and through email as a tool to, you know, kind of get to know these folks before going out and meeting them. Because when I did go out and cover a few girls games early this year, uh, people would be like, Oh, it's really nice to put a, a face to the name. And it wasn't, and for the most part, it wasn't, who are you? So at that, in that respect, it's like, okay, that's working. I'm, I'm glad that that's, that's helping people to know who I am and can, can like familiarize that name and know that somebody who's actually asking questions and cares about, um, the coverage area that's in question here, whether it's girls basketball, whether it's another sport entirely. Like I went from not knowing a dang thing about wrestling to um, being asked to be the Illinois writer for Wrestling Insider Magazine um, in a couple of years. And that was a fun experience. I recently stopped doing it because I just needed to free up some time for myself because I try to juggle too many things at once a lot of the time, but it was just cool to, to go from not really knowing anything to building enough trust that people were like, somebody went out of their way to be like, you know, who'd be really good at that? Like Caleb would. And it was just like, oh, okay. I'm, what I'm doing is working and it shows that I actually, you know, give a crap. So yeah, I mean, in that sense, like building relationships are 
just as much the fun part and the rewarding part of uh, doing journalism, doing writing as actually doing the work is. You know, we were curious from you, you know, we obviously, Todd and I know how to watch a game from a coach's perspective or from a, a fan's perspective, but for you, when you're watching a game, what are you kind of looking for to develop this story? Do you start writing the story like in your head during the game? Do you start kind of writing the story even on paper during a game? Do you wait to be done? Um, kind of take us through that process and then kind of take us through how you kind of evaluate players that you see. I think my, the process of how I like write my stories has changed drastically over time. A lot of the time that's changed based on who my editors were. Uh, for example, like when I was out in Iowa, what I would be looking for for a story was like, do a little bit of everything. Like find the most important thing and then tell, tell the story of a little bit of everything. When I came to DeKalb, it was more like, the story does not matter unless you find an angle. Like no one cares unless, like Eddie Criffio was my editor out there and he kind of impressed upon me. You have to find something interesting or else why should anybody else care? It's like, he's like, I get that you care. You've proven to me that you care. Why should anybody else care? And so kind of forced me to more like try to leave an imprint on readers right from the beginning of the story. So when I'm, look, when I'm out looking for stories, I'm not looking to find out, uh, not always looking to find out oh, was it the third quarter spurt that proved the difference? Like, is that the most interesting thing? Or is it that a girl who, who plays eight minutes a game uh, scored a bucket on three consecutive possessions? But don't, maybe she only ended up with eight points. But if like she's the one who turned the side of the game, maybe that's the thing that is the hook for the story. So in that sense, that might be looking for what I'm looking for for a story. Um, sometimes when I'm out at games and I don't know anything about the teams, I just know I'm going to write about a player unless they play very, very poorly. And I'm like, okay, well, so-and-so is going to, if, as long as they don't play really poorly and their team wins, like I'm definitely writing about them and this, this aspect of their game that I already know about. I went out to the exam jam at Lake Zurich the other day and had like two players on mine. I'm like, all right, I'm going to write a story about this girl, write a story about this girl. Um, after those games, I wrote a story about the first girl and then completely changed my mind because the other team got beat pretty badly and I reversed course and just was like well I know this girl is a freshman and she's been playing really good basketball um in this in this case it's Deerfield and uh, there's two Kirstein sisters over at Deerfield who are playing at a really high level um the freshman's unbelievable with her court knowledge and then they've got uh, a girl Aubrey Galvin who is also getting D1 looks that's kind of ridiculous uh, to see that they're and they're right down the road from Highland Park, those two cities are uh, bordering each other. And I, I'm like, I know I've got to go watch them again because they're so fun to watch. So I'm looking for stuff like that too, where, you know, you can shoot, you can think, you know, exactly what you're going to write about. And then, but if it's not, if you aren't writing for a traditional newspaper, like I'm writing for this website, I don't owe anybody like anything. It's not like, well, you're the reporter. You're supposed to report everything. It's like, mm, no, I'm just here to find the story now. If I was working for a newspaper, then yeah, I'd interview both coaches for each team, maybe try to interview a player for each team, um, try to find the thing that most readers would be interested in. And now I'm just like, well, what are readers going to be interested in? Probably just either the best kid on the floor or something really unique about the program. And uh, the good thing is about high school sports is you literally will never run out of things uh, to find interesting or write about if you ask the right questions and uh, you do your research. 
you kind of let us right into it then um you know exam jam talking about uh the girls the girls basketball game um let's let's kind of move to the basketball part now right because because we do we do do a lot of basketball what are some of the teams uh and players that have stood out so far this season uh we, we did a, a boys round table um you know just with the timing of it the girls season started we didn't we didn't get to to focus as much on the girls obviously we both coach girls basketball uh so we really want to kind of you know, spotlight the girls game um, here a little bit. So what are those, some of those teams and players, um, you know, maybe from around this area or, di or different areas that, that have stood out here so far this year. And this is where I'm going to run into trouble because there are so many. And it's hard oh yeah. For me. No, no doubt. No doubt. And it, it's hard for me to like narrow it down. Um, I, I could get, I could start with uh, the list of games that I've been to and without like, obviously talking about every game, but just to give you an idea, um, I, yes, yeah, how many games have you been to so far? That, that's probably a, a good start to the question. So technically I've been to like 16, but that's because I went to like weekend tournaments that had a bunch of games. Yeah. So yeah. I went to a friend's Chicagoland Invitational Showcase and saw 10 games that day, but I didn't watch all of any of the games. I just bounced back and forth. Um, I saw, for example, like at the Friends Chicago Invitational or at that, you know, whatever. The uh, I saw like Whitney Young versus Stevenson. Stevenson was at the absolute top of its game. I wrote a story about Skylar Jones, who plays for Whitney Young. I just got to see Destiny Jackson, who is a freshman and already a bona fide Division One prospect, and it's very obvious she is. Um, but they lost to Stevenson, who looks very capable of being one of the best teams in the state. They've got uh, Simone Sawyer, who's a Penn signee, and uh, Emery Clatt, really good forward. They've got Ava Bardick, who can shoot lights out. So. Stevenson's like one of the best teams I've seen this year. And they played as well as anybody as I've seen this year. Uh, I know Bennett and Kenwood are both two of the best teams. It's going to be two of the best teams in the state. And they've already played one another. Bennett won, I believe it was 53 to 47. Uh, and that was a, the first, or, I believe the first or second game back for Brianna McDaniel, who, or Brianna McDaniel, who is the top prospect in the state, pretty much consensus. Uh, she tore her ACL last year in March at a game in Evanston and uh has been kind of battling back to that since and i've i talk i talked to the kenwood folks a decent amount just because they have so many interesting players and uh the coaching staff's really approachable and so they've been cool to approach and i'd really like to see bennett in person but i i couldn't make it because i was sick uh a few weeks or like a week ago and so that's one of those teams bolingbrook that has several bona fide division one prospects and probably will be right there at the end of the season in terms of maybe making a run. Uh, as you guys tend to know, girls basketball, some of these best teams will run into each other in the suburbs and the, in the sectional or the super sectional when they very well could be the two best teams in the state could play in the state title game. I, I put on Twitter the other day because I didn't even think anything of it. And I'm like, Bennett, Kenwood, this could be a state title game preview. And then I don't remember, I don't even remember who pointed out. Someone's like, aren't they sectional opponents? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, probably uh so it's like yeah maybe they are they might be the two best teams in the state but uh they they won't play each other in state this year because of the sectional assignments um i know in the coming days i'm probably going to kind of look through some of those and uh look at who uh maybe who stands the best chance of getting out of those sectionals and maybe who could be a surprise out of there so if, any, if that's of interest to anybody and then i'll probably do some rankings very soon on the girl side uh, I didn't want to do it before seeing some games in person and 
uh, getting to kind of compare notes more with coaches and more with, with other reporters and stuff. So we'll see how that comes. I don't really know what to expect in that respect. And I'm not trying to uh, get put against the firing squad for girls basketball knowledge. If I don't feel that I have the appropriate grasp of it yet. Other than that, you can take that lesson from uh, Michael O'Brien who gets hammered on his, oh, sure. his, rank, his sure. rankings all, all day long. Yeah. And I, and I read, and I always read his rankings too, just out of curiosity more than anything. I don't care where anybody's ranked. I'm more just like, where does he value the stock in them? And, and that just is interesting to me. And I can do I this. I, yeah. I know he's I think, always getting tweeted at like, Oh, this is that. He just, it's funny. He, he it's does a great fun, job, but he's it's just funny when he, sh- yeah. When he shares his emails is what's funny to me. And when he gets those random, that stuff from people, I'm just like, who takes the time to ask, uh, his smart, <clears throat> smart guess there. I was waiting to see if he would say either one of our teams or just leave it alone completely. So, <laughs> very intelligent answers. Um, we, I wanted to go into a little bit of maybe some girls holiday tournaments that are coming up or some big games that you know of that are coming up or, you know, maybe a tournament field uh, that you're interested to watch um, or anything that stands out kind of with the, the big holiday tournaments in the girls game coming up. I will say that I was very, I, I was kind of like disappointed. I, I am visiting family in Ohio and I'm not disappointed about that, but I won't get to see any of the grow the game tournament, which is focused on uh, women's coaches and celebrating 50 years of uh, title nine. And so there was going to be a lot of really good basketball play. And I really, really wanted to see Edwardsville play. I believe Edwardsville is going to play Marist, which is an exciting game between Edwardsville's three division one recruits and who are all, signed like three senior division one recruits at Edwardsville and Edwardsville is going to be one of the only teams in the south side of the state that probably has a chance to win at 4A or 3A um caveat O'Fallon and Alton are both very good um and so and then you've got like Marist who is kind of like split between a couple of girls like Bennett and Marist I I I'm not trying to like knock on either of those teams I tend to mix them up sometimes because it's like they both have a roster of girls who can all get it done and nobody ever really scores like 25 or 26, 27 points. It's always just like Morgan Demos and like Navy signing. She's going to score 14 points, play grab 13 rebounds and shut down the other team's best post. Uh, Marist is Kira Shivers who stands out specifically because she's so short, but can ball out on anybody like as well as any guard I've seen on video in the state this year. I haven't seen her in person yet, but it's very obvious that she's got ridiculous game and she'll play. I don't, I don't know that she's going to make it D1 because of her size, but like she's going to play a very high level wherever it is she's at. Um, so I wish I could see that type of matchup, like Edwardsville-Maris. Um, and then there were other, other – the schedule's changing left and right with COVID again. Happy, happy joy. We're all stoked about that, right? Um, and it's, it's, getting too, it's getting crazy frustrating to think that we're entering this situation again. Uh, but I don't know. I'm not going to – yeah that's probably a whole nother uh that's a whole nother podcast we could go on and on trust me we just lost uh vider we host the blender and we just lost we lost the team um you know so it's just kind of is what it is right now you just try to make it work i guess yeah and i'm, and I'm glad that the kids have had the chance to play in front of fans again and um yeah if i had my way it's like okay the kids wouldn't be wearing masks in the game and the coaches and the people on the sidelines would i don't think it's much more complicated than that but i don't know um Anyway, the uh, something like that, Bridgeville Marist, I mentioned. Um, I'm not 
I, I think I've been paying attention more to like what the boys holiday tournaments are just because I'm interested. And I think I might try and get out to one when I get back from Ohio. Uh, not sure really which one, if I'll go into the city or if I'll try and go out to the burbs or South suburbs or something. I'm not really sure yet. Um, outside of actual matchups, I can't really think of any. I knew that I knew I would do a helter skelter run through of some games. Like I said, I've been to like 16, 17 games. The only boys games I've been to were, uh, Taft Mather and Conant Prosser. And the only reason I saw Conant Prosser was because I wanted to support my, uh, my Highland Park wrestling guys who were wrestling at Glenbrook North and Glenbrook North was hosting a tournament. And so Conant's playing in the other gym and I'm like, ah, I'm going to write a story. Why not? Um, that's kind of like my attitude. If I show up to things and some other things are happening, I'm like, Ooh, I could interview this guy for no food. So I feel like it. So I went to watch wrestling and ended up writing a basketball story that night just for no reason other than we need a boy story. Um, so I would say in the coming weeks, you'll see more like holiday tournament coverage of the boys side. You'll see more girls stuff about some of the bigger conference matchups when new year starts. Um, there's obviously a lot like the, um, the boys Catholic league that I'd like to see. There's a lot in the East suburban Catholic, obviously, as you guys know, there's plenty of exciting stuff over there. Um, so we'll see outside of that with the holiday stuff. I, I, I kind of going to struggle to remember too much, to be honest with you. Well, he could just keep talking about our conferences, Todd, not that <laughs> ours are known for good basketball or anything, but um, so I, I, there was an interesting, it, for anybody that goes on the Illinois High School Hoops website, there was a really interesting section with um, kind of like the new coaching hires. I believe you guys call it coaching changes, uh, where you list uh, kind of like the previous coach and then the new coach taking over. You know, of those transitions, um, were there any that you were interested to see, any that stood out, uh, just any new coaches in, in new places that, that you found interesting or intriguing? Uh, and and I, let me add to the preface with this is that we did not get all of them. It was just find as many as we can during the offseason. You guys did a great job. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's hard sometimes. There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we have so many lists on our website. It's hard. It's really hard to keep up with all the stuff we were doing recruiting too. And it's just hard to keep following up on all of them. Um, oh, that's, good. that's a good question. Um, obviously I, I've never watched like Marshall, for example, but like knowing that Dorothy Gators is out as the coach there was something that interested me. And I haven't even followed up with anything with, with Marshall. And that's something I'd like to, I'd like to do sometime in the next few months. Uh, Joe Pycars is a coach that I actually had a relationship with over at Marmion Academy. He was the Indian Creek coach for over a decade and they play some of the most fun brands. They play maybe the most fun brand of small school basketball I've ever seen boys or girls. And they're now led by Nolan Govig, who was a player there a few years ago, was like the Cowboys player of the year for our like newspaper area before I got out there. So they're like continuing like the pipeline of Indian Creek, Shabanaw, Waterman people. So um, less Indian Creek will get back there. It's a really, it's a really basketball crazy community. So they'll probably get back to where they need to be. And then Joe Picars is already winning really big games over at Marmion, which I thought was really cool. Um, they beat Fenwick the other day. Um, they're knocking off some very good Catholic school teams and uh, which, and then, I mean, they beat Fenwick who Tony Young, who was the Marmion coach went to Fenwick to be the Correct. coach. And, and I'm like, that's no knock on either school. It's just really impressive to me how good they've gotten right away. Um, Another coach that I made a connection with that's been fun to kind of learn about has been uh, Sean Connor, who 
was a coach at DePaul College Prep for over a decade, or for about a decade, sorry, yep. on the boy on the boys' side, and is now at Antioch, uh, and got to talk to him for a story. We've got a really exciting freshman, Mark, Marshall Gurkey, who should be one of the better, uh, could be one of the better players in the Northwest sub- suburbs very quickly. Yeah, and and, Sean's a real, Sean's a really good coach. He yeah. does a lot of the stuff. He does a lot of AAU stuff too, and things like that. He's a really good coach. Yeah. I know he's very well known and he, and he has a lot of relationships with uh, people that I've spoken with. So um, that is like a, a great guy to be able to kind of call up and talk to. And I uh, really appreciate guys like him. Um, another one, like, and, and I guess I'm sp- speaking more from people that I, I've known. Um, I'll be, I'll be on Kalana is in year two or three, I believe at Glen Bard East. He moved over there because uh, of his, his living situation. His family was there and uh, one of, over to, I think he went over to be the dean of students, and yep. they're kind of they're kind of still going through glo- uh, growing pains. They took a really big loss to Larkin the other night, but Larkin's got Damari Wheeler Thomas, a Division One signee already, and so yeah, I guess uh, from from the from the perspective of coaching changes, I'm I'm kind of more interested in guys that I've uh, I've covered before, or people that I have that relationship with. But otherwise, um, there are ones on the girls' side. Um, I guess I would probably just struggle to remember off, off the top of my head other than some of the ones I've already mentioned. Um, and then I wanted to get into um, maybe just for you, girls or boys, maybe a team, and you've mentioned a lot of teams, but maybe a team that you've watched or seen that maybe other people don't know too much about. Uh, maybe a little bit of an under the radar in boys or girls. Hmm. I think my version of under the radar might be different than some other folks, uh, but I don't know because there's so many answers that could be answers to that question. Because I think of um, I think of O'Fallon down in southwest part of the state that knocked off Whitney Young when Whitney Young came down the very early beginning of the year. They've got some really decent players and Shannon Dow, who's going to be a Division One player. Uh, they've got other players on that club that are just like they do the AAU circuit at a very high level. And so they could, they could surprise somebody and be up and, uh, or they could be in yeah, Illinois state at the end of the year, for all I know, uh, Alton is a similar team. When you think about teams in the Southern end of the state, uh, some very good, uh, caliber, high caliber basketball players as well. Uh, Kyoko Proctor is a young, I believe she's a playing at a very high level. So I think of some of those teams in the Southern part of the state, um, somebody who, will probably get attention in a few years that is only getting it locally now is someone like Grace Nelson. Uh, she's a freshman at Altamont in the in more towards Southeast a little bit. And she was averaging 37 points per game, about 10, 10 uh, games into her freshman season last year. I wrote a story about her and this year she's doing the same thing. She's got a 50 point game under her belt. She's got a, a 47 point game under her belt. This is small school, like one, a girls basketball and the scores are like 81, 70. 76 58 like and i'm just like okay this is why i gotta write more stories like this it's really it's really cool to be able to follow these um uh, whether it's you know schools like mahomet seymour who is like 11 and 1 now and playing at a very high level for 3a ball down there whether it's uh someone like nazareth academy who has had that recognition on the girl side but like having seen them in person and i'm looking at them and i'm like Oh God, they could be anybody in the state if they have a good night. Like they, they, they absolutely can lose to some teams based on some flaws they have, but I watched them and uh, I know they've lost to Sycamore and I'm like between Danielle Scully, who looks like a division one player 
between uh, Grace Carstensen being able to shoot, Caroline Workman. They've got so many ca- like strong caliber players that they're not number one in the, like the AP rankings right now. And they might end the season with a few losses, but they're also a team that not, I'm not going to be surprised if they make it to uh, Redbird Arena, for example, in 3A. So there's a lot of teams like that, that that really excite me. And I think if the boys, once I see more boys basketball, I might feel more comfortable to um, talk about some of those teams. But it's you're never going to run out of good basketball and good players to talk about in the Chicago suburbs. Just, there's too many. All right, so uh, I know you said you're going to dive into sectionals here in a little bit, but let's. I want to. I want to tweak this question a little bit. Um, you mentioned it, right? There, there's always. You look at every sectional, and, and sometimes maybe there's an imbalance, right? There's one sectional where you look at it, and we're like, "Well, okay, this team's going to go," right? <laughs> like you can sure. you can see it, but then you mentioned like Kenwood and and Bennett are in the same sectional, right? And then. Yeah, I think so too. Here's a perfect example. Naz, Montini, and Providence are all in the same subsectional. So my I guess my my question is, and this is kind of always the bait, I guess. I guess I guess the the format is when you've looked at it for a long time, is maybe there a better way, better way to do it? Is there a better way to to get that balance? Um you know, because this is kind of always talked about it every year when when these sectional assignments come out and then the brackets come out and, and, and all that. I think as coaches, you guys are going to have a way better answer than I am. Um, I'm, I'm only exposed to the postseason side of things in Illinois uh, from 2018 onward. So because that's when I came out to DeKalb and I've only really started covering girls basketball at this type of level like this year. So um, it's really hard to say. I think that you could make targeted decisions more for the really worthy teams, like in terms of moving them to uh, sectionals that are going to more likely produce a very high caliber uh, subs or super sectional or sectional title game, for example. But I, I don't really know locally how much you can change it um, to really fit it. And I don't think I have those answers because I've never, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about uh, the sectional uh, matchups too much. But all I can really look at it is look at it in hindsight, typically, and be like, oh, why did they do that to them? Like, they shouldn't be facing – they shouldn't the, – the AP number two versus the AP number three team shouldn't be playing in a subsectional. Like, it's like, could you have made a decision that made the team travel a little bit farther to have a better uh, – to have a more deserved matchup, I guess you could say. But end of the day, I won't really ma- – I wouldn't make excuses for anybody because like, you got to win anyway. Uh, what, what the only thing you lose out on is people lose out on seeing uh, better teams playing one another further along down the line when you should get to see them. So as we go into the final two segments, the first one we call 30 second timeout. Um, you can make the subject anything you want to discuss. It can be about you, your family, uh, Illinois high school hoops, or anything new that we haven't talked about. So the floor is yours for your 30-second timeout. Um, I mean, you guys brought me on to talk about girls basketball, so I might as well make my spiel. Um, I think that the city of Chicago has a lot of good girls basketball that deserves more attention, and I think that we're trying to fill that void in some respect. And I hope that uh, both coaches and fans will um, continue to kind of help us out by like promoting some of the better players, her shy culture um, over at uh, over in Chicago, her daughter's Brianna McDaniel. Um, 
she does a wonderful job highlighting girls players in the city. And if, if more people like her and uh, just more people can highlight girls players in the city of Chicago, I think that would be a, a really cool thing to see develop here over the next couple of years. But I will give credit to some of these suburban papers that do a very good job of covering um, players, whether it's Dion Martirano over um, in journal and topics coverage area, whether it's Tim O'Brien in the Beverly area, whether it's Melvin Tate covering like Oak Park and River Forest and Trinity, um, whether it's the, all the Shaw suburban papers, Alex Kentucky, so on, so on. I could go on for a very long time. I'm a journalist dude at heart. So I'm always going to shout out people that I think are doing quality work. So, uh, but yeah, I would love to see more shine on girls basketball in the city of Chicago. All right, so we got some uh, quick hitters, random random questions. I think you saw a, a really random one, but it, you know we kind of throw some some serious ones in there. We throw some fun ones in there. So first one for you is the best team. This now this could be all over. It could be wrestling, whatever, because you've done a lot of stuff. Uh, so team slash game match or individual performance you've maybe seen or heard in any sport you covered. Like you went out there and you're like, holy cow, this just happened. Um. So that's a good question. And it's, and the answers are probably going to be all related to Iowa. <laughs> um, oh, that's fine. I, I covered a team that won uh, three consecutive state cross country titles, the small little school in Nottoway Valley, Iowa. And it was just, they had this coach, his name was Daryl Burmeister, who um, coached boys basketball and cross country and they, whatever he coached, they were good at everything. And they were dominant at everything. And uh, it's really amazing to see like what, can happen when everybody's completely bought into what you're selling as a coach. Um, and that program more than maybe anybody I've ever seen was probably the team that was completely sold on everything that was preached to them. That's a very interesting quote you just said. Um, so if you're not covering sports as a journalist, what would you be covering? And if you didn't major in journalism, what would you be doing? So I did do some breaking news for Shaw Media. I was originally laid off temporarily from sports when the pandemic started and I started doing breaking news. So I did that, didn't like it very much. Uh, so I could see myself doing some like politics or whatever. I wrote a, opinion columns in college and did social media stuff and realized it wasn't really what I wanted to do. But if I wasn't in education, if I wasn't in journalism, I, I might be doing communications work for nonprofits I did in internship with the American Civil Liberties Union of Ohio when I was in college. And uh, I liked the legal aspect of things. I considered going to law school. So that side of things interests me. Uh, I spent a lot of time reading about um, civil rights era and reading about American history. I'll read books about like the New Deal or um, like really dumb wonky things that I don't fully understand, but want to have better knowledge of. So um, reading nonfiction and uh, kind of probably shows you that I'd probably be doing something like in the public sphere even if I don't want to be like a politician or something like that all right so your your favorite venue or gym to go to to cover a game Oof. or a couple to throw That's a couple a tough off. question okay I gotta give it a uh when I was in Iowa there's this place called Diagonal Iowa the town was about 300 people and uh they were known for winning a state basketball championship back in the 40s uh the gym is just this little cracker box like three rows on each side or like four or five rows on each side of the gym the sound resonates like absolute crazy. They had the best food concession stand I've ever been to in my life. And um, that place like really, really stands out in terms of cool places to watch sports. And uh, otherwise, like I could probably go on and on, but um, since I've come to Illinois, I guess 
I really liked um, Indian Creek's atmosphere for boys basketball. Uh, more so just because of how much the people in the community cared. And that was kind of very early on. Like it was just like, oh, I want to go back to Indian Creek to watch basketball. Um, and sometimes like the atmosphere, I mean, you guys know, like the atmosphere can be just as big. I really want to go to Ottawa to see a boys basketball game because that gym looks nuts. Uh, I really want to go into the city and go to Lynn Bloom and play with that where they have that everything is like on the floor and the track is overrunning the the basketball court like I love small cracker box gyms with like stages in the on one end and um, just that are unique like that uh, I would I would take those weird like falling apart gyms over these cookie cutter stuff that happens at every other gym in the country like that's happening now well then I got a perfect gym for you no I'm just kidding um <laughs> So you kind of hit on the food. Who is the best hospitality room for the media? Hmm. Consistently, I'm not sure, but I will say that DeKalb High School had the best hospitality rooms for their wrestling and basketball tournaments. Um, so for the Chuck Dayton Classic in basketball, they would order Fatties, which is a, an establishment of DeKalb that people are very familiar with that has really yeah. good uh, fried uh, fried potato salad. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, I can feel that stuff sticking my ribs as I say that. And, uh, and then they would do it for wrestling. But, uh, um, what was that called? The Flavin would they have, they'd have like 30 teams in, in their auxiliary gyms wrestling. And so they had the best food. Um, as far as like multiple times I've been there and knowing that they had the best food, like it was the best. All right. So now we're going to get the hard hitting journalistic questions. I'll give you a little backstory to this. All right. So obviously at Vider, You've been to enough Catholic school games. It's kind of hard to find music to play that's appropriate, right? Um, it's a little bit different than a public school. So we're sitting there, and then the, the Who Let the Dogs Out is in our playlist. And one of our, John knows him, Matt Hynek, comes over and he goes, who actually let, let the dogs out, <laughs> right? Um, and we've, we literally had a staff discussion on this. It continues for like two, three weeks every time we hear it. So... And, and, and you can, you can tell us we're, we're idiots. I'm an idiot. And you can skip the question if you want, or, uh, you know, you can say how many times you've heard this song actually at a basketball game, but who, who do you think actually let the dogs out? Somebody, somebody who, the person who let the dogs out was the person who's turning that song on 10 years after it should have last been played. <laughs> I like it. I like it because I know you hear it. You probably hear it at every gym you go to. I'm guessing. No, I, uh, I oh, you don't. Know. I think the everywhere last we I've, go, we hear it. Maybe that's a is that a, is that a Catholic league thing or like? I don't know. Like everywhere or? I go, like somebody plays it during halftime or you know like a timeout or. I, I don't know, maybe think, just. I think when I think back to high school and I think of like the the songs that they played at our games, it was very consistently like two thousand like two thousand four to two thousand eight or two thousand five two thousand ten whatever like hip hop, and right. it was always like what was uh, had been big on the radio and like a bunch of Nelly and Fifty Cent. Yep. And, um that yeah, we can't get away we can't get away with that at the at, at, at our schools yeah. right John? You know, we, we ain't never scared why like that type of stuff <laughs> there you go i like it i like it all right so to finish you're going to a game and you kind of mentioned fatties already but so you're going to a game what's like your go-to food or drink spot and then is there like a specific place where like you're going to blank school you have to go to a blank place I will say that I used to have those places. Um, I don't really so much yet since I'm going to so many random places here, uh, just I'm going in every direction. Um, I will say that typically I've got to have a Dunkin' Donuts in my hand, not because it's the best coffee, it's just because it's everywhere. 
And I know if I'm going somewhere, I'm going to run past a Dunkin'. So a lot of the times I walk into the gym, I'm walking in with Dunkin' Donuts, um, specifically like a, like a cappuccino or like a latte. And uh, as far as that, like if, otherwise when I'm going to new places, I'll try to find like some greasy establishment that's just got like a really like corny name. Like I went to, uh, like I've been to Hersey and Prospect a lot because I freelance for Journal and Topics and Dion Martirano over there. And I went past the place that was just called Grill. Yep. And I'm like, right I'm on like, the corner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right on the I'm corner. like, oh, I gotta, I gotta have that. I just need grill. And it was yeah. good. It was really good. Yeah. There was a famous, it used to be Tori and Luke's right there. Uh, you're talking my area. So yes, that is, uh, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. It's just the grill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were at uh, Dundee Crown. I stopped at a place like that. It was a, uh, it's like a beef place. It was called Luke's. Yeah. It was amazing. I, I got a beef combo. <laughs> That was the size of a giant, like, you know, think of a giant burrito. It was, it was amazing. Just loops. I'm like, I'm hungry. I'm like, where am I going to go? You know, you got McDonald's, you got, ah, let's go loops. It was amazing. Yep. It was awesome. It's a better well, option to go to the place that no one's heard of. <laughs> we, uh, we can't thank you enough for being on. This was a very unique episode, a little bit more on the media side. Uh, we're both always uh, thankful and, and honored when anybody does talk to girls game with us because, you know, Todd and I have such a passion for it. So thank you again for being on. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the After the Timeout podcast hosted by Todd Zazadil and John Plicky. For more show content and upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter at After the Timeout or subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. For show inquiries, you can email us at afterthetimeout at gmail.com. You can find all of our previous episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts by searching After the Timeout. We appreciate you listening. Tune in next time for more coaching content in-game, out-of-the-game, and anything in between.